Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. What's your question for Governor Herbert? Call 801-575-8255. This is Let Me Speak to the Governor. And thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Governor Gary Herbert. And let's take our first caller, and that is John. And good afternoon, John. How can we help you today? John, are you there? Okay, we'll take our second caller then. Uh, This is David. David, hi, how can we help you today? Hey, David. Okay. (laughs) Is our phones working here, Maria? I'm not sure. We'll have to check that out. So let's go to our text page then. Anybody can text in their questions to 57500. One of the first questions is about lane splitting and motorcycles riding between the lanes between the double whites on the HOV lane. And, you know, Governor, what is your position on lane splitting? Well, people do it anyway. I mean, you see when we have stalled traffic, if you're somebody's on a motor scooter, motorbike, motorcycle, they tend to, to find a, uh, a gap that they travel. The concern is one of public safety. And uh, I know I just returned from a trade mission to Vietnam, which is uh, probably... 10 to 1 scooters over automobiles Mm -hmm. and it's like a little anthill these scooters running around and they have about two or three casualties a day there really is not any traffic controls and they zip along the road in and out Uh, you know motorcycles and and scooters are hard to see and if you're in an automobile where we have a lot more automobiles and fewer bikes it is just a public safety issue that being said I know they do it in California um, and probably there's ways and reasons why it may be appropriate. But it's something that the legislature ought to address and take a look at. Uh, I know it's a public safety issue, and they ought to do that in conjunction with the Department of Public Safety. So if anybody's interested in that, talk to your legislature and legislator and have them bring it up to the legislature and see if it's something we ought to take a look at. Uh, again, uh, motorcycles are hard to see. And usually the the fault is not of the motorcyclist necessarily. It's the automobile that doesn't, driver that doesn't see them. But if you're if you're splitting lane and you're zipping up the middle of between a, a stalled traffic and somebody opens up their door, or somebody pulls and crosses the lane and doesn't see you, it's just a traffic safety hazard. That that's the issue why we don't have it now. You mentioned at the top of the show the new health care legislation before Congress. One of our texters wants to know what you think of Bernie Sanders' single-payer plan. You know, Bernie was in the meeting when I was there in the committee hearing, and it was interesting to hear him speak uh, when it came his turn. 
And uh, I think uh, in summing up kind of what uh, Senator Sanders said is, one, he believes health care is a right and uh, that, that everybody has a right to good quality health care and it ought to be free. There should be no cost to health care for any American. Um, that's a single-payer government run. It certainly is a socialist approach, which is what Bernie Sanders is. He's an avowed socialist. It is a little bit surprising to a lot of people that he's running as a Democrat when he's a socialist, but um, that's the politics of, of the left right now. Uh, the second thing he said is that the insurance companies and people involved in health care, he said, don't care about your health. They only care about making money. And so for me, I, I know I was a little surprised he was so blunt about that because what has made America great is free market capitalism, which certainly has a profit motive. And the reason we've had, uh, you know, free market capitalism, we've provided the best services, the best goods and products in the history of the world for the most people for the lowest prices. That's been a product not of socialism, not of government innovation. That's come from the private sector, motivated by the idea, if I can build a better mousetrap, I will make some money in doing mm-hmm. so. Look at our iPhones. Look at what Steve Jobs has created. Look at Microsoft and Bill Gates. The list goes on and on and on. The profit motive has done some really wonderful things for the world for making our lives better. Look at Merit Medical, our local medical device company, Edwards Life Sciences and others who now are helping because they've innovated and they're making money, but they're creating ways to save people's lives and increase longevity and quality of life. The pharmaceuticals, the reason we live longer, we have less invasive surgery now because of drugs. So, again, I would just disagree with respectfully with Senator Sanders and say, you know what? They do care about your health. They're creating products that make your health better. And, yes, they're motivated to do the research and spend hours and hours, uh, millions and millions, billions of dollars to provide a product because they have a chance to recover those costs and make a profit. So I'm not really into uh, a socialized approach to medicine. I see what's happened in Canada, and some of it's good, but not all of it's good. My kids lived in Canada for 13 years. They wouldn't uh, trade our system here in Utah and America for what they saw in Canada and lived through. We see European socialism, which is kind of dumbed down, I think, the ability to create and innovate. The innovation in, a, in the world's coming out of America. With all of our faults, again, that's where the innovation, creativity is coming from. That's why people in Canada come to America. If you've got a heart problem or a cancer, you come to America to get your health care. You don't stay in Canada. Uh, It's free up there, but they'll pay to come down here and get better quality health care. We have David standing by in Orem. And, David, what is your question for the governor? Hi, Governor. I appreciate all you do. Thank you, David. Uh, You've talked several times about the opioid problem. I guess my way to sum it up is I go to the doctor. He, he writes me a prescription for an opioid, uh, gives me 30 tablets. Well, I only need three, and I'm fine. Now I've got all these tablets left over, and I have to decide what to do with them. Why can't the state get with the pharmaceutical companies and say, hey, bring back those extra pills, and we'll give you half of what you paid for them back to get rid of them? That's probably uh, certainly an idea that maybe we ought to explore. What is happening right now, because the opioid crisis, which has permeated all of the country, in fact, it's it's become such an issue that the National Governors Association just this past year made it a a number one issue. 
And uh, so the opioid crisis is not just Utah, but it's, it's elsewhere too. And what we're trying to do in Utah and actually is underway is to uh, that very issue of saying to the doctors, do not prescribe more than the bare minimum of what they need. If they need five tablets, to uh, prescribe five tablets, not 30. Uh, we also are talking to the pharmacists about putting warning labels on your prescription tablets, similar to what we did years ago with tobacco. This may be hazardous to your health. They are putting warning labels on that say this may be addictive and be hazardous to your health because it's an opioid. We're also having the pharmacists have, you know, meet your pharmacist day once a month where there's an opportunity to talk to your pharmacist about medicines, what you can do to dispose of them. We have a campaign that would say to people, if you have excess medicines, don't leave it in your medicine cabinet. Just come and dispose of it. Um, and I think your idea of let's just prescribe fewer pills and then go back again is probably a better way to do that, save money. Uh, I'm sure the doctors are concerned about the office visits or the need to renew. But, again, I think that's something that can be worked out in process. Um, but you're you're exactly right. We need to figure a way, in fact, to reduce the uh, potential of opioid addiction. Part of it also with the American Medical Association is let's see if we can find other painkillers and things that will help us that are not opioids, which are not addictive. So it's front and center right now nationally, and certainly the National Governors Association. It's uh, our top issue right now, along with cybersecurity. And thank you for your call, David. We need to take a break for the bottom of the hour news. The number to call if you'd like to be part of the program, 575-8255, or you can text us your questions at 575 